Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Zach Wilson. Zach is an active duty Army officer and owner of Olive Branch Rentals, which focuses on apartment building investing. His experience in the space includes asset management, raising capital, and deal analysis. Wealth Science, I bring you Zach Wilson. What's going on, bro? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jesse. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on. Uh, you know, really excited for this and, and kind of just to talk with you, discuss uh, real estate and, and just how our approaches are, are, are in this market. So thanks for, thanks for having me on so much, man. Yeah, dude, I'm pumped to have you on. I mean, you're another military guy. You know, we both grew up in ADTI together, which is something special, yeah. dude. I think, like I was telling you before, I think your story is so relatable to so many other people out there who are just starting out and, and hungry to crush it, dude. So, you know, for the people who might not know who you are, I mean, if you take a couple minutes and just kind of give us your background and introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, like I said, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been really exciting to see you and, you know, kind of uh, talk to you over the past you know, year. Um, and as our journeys have kind of grown together, so it's, it's been really awesome. Thank you for this opportunity again. Uh, you know, with that being said, uh, about me, I'm Zach Wilson. I was born in uh, Virginia in a small rural town kind of nestled between uh, the Appalachian Mountains and Washington, D.C. Uh, I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina, where I went to college and you know, spent the better part of four years back and forth between the two. Um, after graduation, I wanted to take some time off. And so I uh, packed everything I, I owned pretty much into a backpack uh, and, and moved to Europe, which was, you know, and we can talk about it later, later more, but that was a very, very important time in my life. And at the time, I didn't think about it. I didn't know it. And it was a, a big catalyst for, for why I'm involved in real estate now. So I, I spent almost a year over there working um, in a university in one of the Greek islands and kind of traveling around Europe. I uh, came back to the U.S., joined the military, where I've worked in a logistics capacity uh, for companies as far as you know, supply chain management and logistics. Um, it's been an awesome experience, very challenging, um, but I've got a lot of work experience from that. Uh, and then right now, I'm just finishing up a course that I'm in in Virginia, and then I'll be headed out to Seattle, Washington soon, uh, where I'll be working with an aviation company um, over the next two years there, which is super exciting. Yeah, I think the journey here is, you know, incredible on how you got started. And even taking a year off to go to Europe, I mean, so many people are like, so many people, I think there's this belief that like we have to jump right into things where it's like, okay, to like take a year off and figure out really what you want to do before heading, you know, in a specific direction. So when you were going to Europe, I mean, I'm picturing you in the Greek Island, dude. That sounds absolutely awesome. Yeah. You know, what were you out there doing? What was kind of the journey like? And I guess, what'd you find or what were you looking for? Yeah. And well, I, I don't really know if I was looking for something specific. It was just more of, Hey, I, I want to take some time off. I you know really want to figure out what I want to do, figure out what I want to be, you know, who I want to be as a person. Um, I was working for a university uh, of Nicosia, which is uh, in the capital city of Cyprus, one of the Greek islands out there. Um, that was really cool. I was kind of bouncing around Europe. And when I wasn't 
uh, during the school year. So for the summer months, I was just traveling around Europe and then the school year started up. That's when I started working with the study abroad uh, students from you know, universities here in the U.S. and then um, some of the universities uh, around Europe. That was a cool experience. Uh, I spent most of my time in Europe hiking, um, which is a huge passion of mine. Love, love hiking, alpinism, really, really into it. And that was just a life-changing experience because after I got back from that, um, I just thought to myself, how do I manage a career that is going to allow me to still do this sort of stuff? Um, and so that's kind of how I weeded my way into, into real estate. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think it's super cool. I mean, taking a year to go do that. Um, in college, I went and lived in Slovakia for a month through like this program where like we trained with their military and we got to do so many cool stuff. And I think one of the coolest parts about Europe is just like, you know, driving down the highway and just looking up on the hill and seeing like a 16th century like castle or something like that too. It's like, just like, you know, cool historic shit that like obviously we just don't have in the U.S., which is, yeah. I, like to me, I, I find that stuff intriguing, but that's cool. You get to do it for a year. Um, before we hop into the real estate stuff, I, I find it really interesting that your background in the military is in like supply chain management, logistics and stuff like that. And we're in this time right now, Zach, where that's kind of like the front, you know, that's a big talking point in today's society with like where we are in the pandemic and COVID and stuff like that. You know, obviously like nobody has a crystal ball, but you know, where do you see the supply chain issue being resolved here within the next, you know, couple of years or or maybe you see us running into more issues or, or what are your thoughts on that? It's, it's hard to say, you know, like, like you said, nobody really has um, a crystal ball. Everything's kind of just choked because everyone was staying at home. I was definitely doing it. You know, I didn't spend any money. So everyone was cutting all sorts of, you know, the workforce. And now all of a sudden you have you know, people that are getting back out of the workforce, earning more money. Um, have all these stimulus checks and, you know, I'm sure maybe they're not around anymore, but they're, they're just spending money and they're, they're, I wouldn't say strangling the system, but it's just, it's, you know, overloaded. So, you know, in the next year to two years, it'll get back up and operating. Um, I don't see it, you know, causing a, a huge issue. I've definitely in the course that I'm in right now, we've kind of studied, you know, how certain factors uh, weigh on a system and, and really put stress on it. So it's been an interesting time to, to see how things have, you know, just been stressed in the market as far as supply chain management goes. But I think it's a good thing, right? Because look at the amount of um, things that have come out of COVID putting weight on a supply chain system. You know, you've had all this technology that has come out. You have all the software that has come out. You have, you know, anything from working from home to you know, food deliveries, um, just all like little amenities like that. It's almost a necessity now. Like you have to have that. So the amount of uh, systems that are coming out of the past year or two may not have happened for a few more years or maybe never would have happened because there would have been no need for it. But now we have a lot of things that have come up and, and been really, really useful and people are not going to want them to go away. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like even look at my own personal life, like all the time my wife just orders groceries where like whatever, three or four years ago, like I don't remember anyone ever like ordering groceries or something like that. But it's like, what's the point of like going to Walmart or anything anymore? If like people can just drop them off. So yeah, that's a great point. And like I said, it's a huge talking point. I feel like everyone's always like the supply chain issues with where we're at and the, whatever the post-pandemic world is. It's something interesting and I, I want to get your perspective on it. 
Um, kind of transitioning back to the real estate piece. I mean, you said, you know, real estate can provide you the vehicle to really do the things that you want to do, I guess. You know, what was that initial draw or what were those first kind of steps of like educating yourself on real estate or how did you kind of close that knowledge gap and I guess learn more about it? Yeah. And, and I won't talk about, you know, a position of, you know, high and mighty experience just because I'm still like in that process, kind of like you said. So I hope that that resonates with more people. Um, than somebody who's, you know, been doing this for, for decades. Um, but with that being said, you know, I, I came back from, from Europe, I started my job in the military and I, I just, you know, that, that was a huge catalyst for me to get back into the, the position where I could go hiking all the time and be in the outdoors and traveling. Um, I also had student loans. So I thought to myself, Hey, you know, I can only stretch my money so thin for this expensive hobby and my loans. I gotta, gotta make more money. Um, and I was fortunate enough that, uh, my, one of my brother's friends, who was a former um, army officer and transitioned out and opened her own uh, brokerage down in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, so shout out to Shelby Osborne and her team at the five pillars realty. They are great, man. I uh, gave her or I shot her a text one day. and was just like, Hey, I'm looking to get into real estate. Can I borrow 15 minutes of your time? I think we ended up talking for maybe 30, 40 minutes at most. She followed up with an email um, with all the stuff, uh, as far as attachments, like books you should read, podcasts you should listen to, content you should find online. Um, reach out to you know core four lender, contractor, property manager, agent type stuff. So I just did that, and I spent. I mean, this was actually right around the beginning of COVID. So not only was it a strange time for you know for everybody, but my days because I was you know locked at home were pretty much spent waking up in the morning, networking with you know, the brokers, the lenders, agents, all that sort of stuff, you know, taking a break to watch an hour of, you know, Netflix and you know, had to get that, that Tiger King binge in like everybody else was watching. And then, uh, you know, then get back into the afternoon. I was just started underwriting deals. So I was knee deep in, you know, Excel spreadsheets, um, underwriting deals and trying to find houses or apartment complexes. Um, and I was kind of looking for, you know, certain criteria. I was trying to find out what, type of properties we want to buy um, that suit my needs and you know what am i looking to get out of this and why so i think that's a very important part of you know when you talk about lifestyle design is figuring out hey what what do i need to do to set myself up for success and how do i do that right so for me it was definitely um, looking at buying a property and learning the process of buying it owning it you know managing it and rehabbing it um, and then also important to me was just, you know, cash flow was, was getting some money to either replace my W2 income um, or just cut down on living expenses, such as, you know, paying a mortgage. Um, so that was, so that was super important. And it, it definitely got me into house hacking, which was, which was my first deal that I ever bought about a duplex. And we can talk about that a little bit if you want, but uh, that was kind of, I narrowed down the criteria to what I knew would fit my needs and what I was looking for. And it kind of settled on house hack should be my first deal. because so I'll, I'll be able to learn the most through a house hack. And then after I learn as much as I need to, you know, executing it, because you can read all the books you want. You can listen to all the podcasts you want. You can talk to all the people you want. And I did that for three months, four months. And then I said, I need to just get in this. I need to dive in this and I need to experience it firsthand. Um, and then that, that's when I uh, closed on a duplex and really started becoming the, you know, property manager, the, the rehabber, the, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I just did it all myself. And then that's kind of where I, 
it, the, the whole journey and the learning process started for me. Yeah, dude, I think there's so many powerful things in there. And I think, man, it's incredible, dude. I tell this to everybody, like you hit the nail on the head. The amount of people, if you just reach out and are like, hey, can I just get 15 minutes of your time? And to point me in the right direction, dude, I mean, it's crazy. Even when I started out, dude, I was cold messaging people on LinkedIn. And you'd be shocked by the amount of people who reached back out and were like, hey, hey Jesse, you know, so-and-so gave me 15 minutes 20 years ago. So, you know, here's myself, you know, give me a call Friday at lunchtime and, and we'll chat. And like, I think that's so powerful, dude. And, you know, so thankful for the people who took time and, you know, a chance on me and have done the same for you, dude. It's, it's powerful. Um, you know, when it comes to like the underwriting piece, dude, that's something that I am, I'm going to be honest, I'm terrible at it, dude. I, I hate Excel. I am, I am bad at Excel. I hate it. And like, I need to get better at it. You know, I, and I get asked this all the time. It's like, Jesse, I don't know what a good deal looks like. And like, I think the basis of figuring that out is being good at underwriting and underwriting as many deals as you can and, and learning that. So, you know, I guess, how did you kind of get smart on the underwriting piece in the beginning? I mean, what are some of the mechanics behind that? And how did you kind of close that knowledge gap? And maybe this is a selfish question because I just want to get better at it. But, you know, how, I guess, how did you kind of go about it? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, well, well, two things first, right? One, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the best at, at Excel spreadsheet or, or underwriting either, right? Um, but I, I just kind of forced myself. I took some courses. I sat down. I, I YouTubed a couple of videos. I, I called a couple of people. Um, so that was kind of how I, I learned it. I read a couple of books, all that sort of stuff. But then uh, the most important part is, and you can spend all this time underwriting all these properties, but if you don't know what you're underwriting them for, like you're just wasting your time. So I knew that I need to sit down and find a house that I can house hack. Um, I need to find a duplex that I can rent out the other side or a quadplex or a triplex. And I, I want to use you know a, a, the VA loan to buy it. So I need to factor that in there. Um, it's going to be my primary residence. So I'm going to be living in it. So I need to factor that in there. Um, and then can I rent it when I leave? Is it Will it still be making me money when I leave? So that was extremely important to my underwriting because I was underwriting a specific property because underwriting a house hacking deal versus, and, and that what that Excel spreadsheet looks like versus the spreadsheets and all the data and collection and information that goes into underwriting like the 30, 40, 50 unit deals that me and some other guys are underwriting now, totally different. Yeah. So, you know, and, and you should, you know, definitely figure out what you're looking for. What do you want to get after? And then, you know, kind of hone in on that and focus on that. But, it was, it was fairly simple. So I, I looked up a couple of duplexes. Um, you know, I found the criteria, the type of house that I wanted, a duplex. I figured out how much it was going to cost. And I just plugged the numbers in as far as, hey, if it's going to cost me $2,000 a month, and these are just round numbers, um, in a mortgage payment and, you know, principal, taxes, insurance, and all that stuff. And then, you know, put a certain percentage aside for, you know, in, uh, the vacancy and uh, property management, maintenance, capex, all that stuff. Will I be able to get enough rent from the other side to be able to pay for at least half of it, right? Because if I'm only, you know, if I'm getting seven hundred dollars or a hundred or a thousand dollars rather from the other person living on the side, hey, that's that's a thousand dollars off my mortgage. That's a win. Like in my mind, that's that's all I wanted to do is cut my living expenses or get some cash flow. Um, you know, fast forward a couple months after the deal was was done, and I was living there. I was only paying half my mortgage because they were they were paying for the other other half of it, which was awesome. Um, 
And then I've, I mean, I haven't lived in that unit in well over a year now and it's stable. Both sides are renting out. I'm making a couple hundred dollars a month um, from each of the units um, on, on top of the mortgage that is being paid for me. So it was, it was a fairly simple process. Um, but yeah, just like you, man, it was, it was daunting at first cause I was not into Excel spreadsheets at all, <laughs> but now I'm kind of used to it, man. Dude, that's awesome. And I'm glad everything worked out. And that, even now you've left and now it's fully paying you off your mortgage. Cause I assume a tenant moved in as you moved out or you got something to replace you. So you're renting out both sides now, dude. But I, I think that's super powerful. And I tell everybody to look at as many deals as you can, because you know, as you're hunting for deals, you're not going to know what a good deal or what a bad deal looks like. If you don't look at a hundred deals, you're like, wow, you know, this one has great cash flow. I can tell it's a great deal at this price point, or man, this is only cash flow this much at this price point. Like, but you're not going to know that unless you, you know, widen your range or your bandwidth of looking at more deals. Here. So yeah, I think that's awesome how you did that. Robusta Move was founded from our passion for two of the most simple and amazing things in life good coffee, and good music. Both of these enjoyable aspects of life play a vital role in the bringing together of people. And although we understand that everyone's music taste is different, there's no denying that when it comes to coffee, the difference between a good cup and a bad cup is undeniably blatant. That's why in the spirit of community and coming together, we at Robusta Move have made it our mission to supply our customers with superior coffee that you, your friends, and your family can enjoy. And we'll leave the playlist up to you. Visit robustamove.com and save 20% on your first order with the code VINYL. That's code VINYL, V-I-N-Y-L, to save 20% on your first order at robustamove.com. Robusta Move Coffee. Try it today. Where where was this uh, duplex located at, or, or what market was it? How did you come about? I assume it was an on market deal that you found through an agent, or, or how that came about. Yeah, so this specific uh, duplex um, that I bought, this was the first one that I bought. Actually, when I PCS and moved out to Missouri, I was in just south of St. Louis on an assignment with with the military out there, um, and I figured, hey, if, if I'm kind of being told to move out there. And, and live out there for about a year, I might as well buy the house in this market because you know it's cheaper to buy a house there, yet the rents are still fairly high. Um, and this is going to be my unit that I will experiment everything with. I want to be the, the rehabber. I want to be yeah. the... I want to flip it. I want to learn how to do that. I want to manage it and learn how to do that. I want to uh, you know buy it and learn how to just buy a house and then own it. And so I, that was kind of my experiment uh, property. But yeah, it was, it was located out just south of St. Louis, a couple hours south. And... Um, uh, near Fort Leonard And uh, since then I've, I've kind of moved back to Virginia and bought a couple more. Nice, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. When you bought it, I guess, was there a value add piece to it? Was it already like turnkey or was it pretty beat up and you had to put some rehab into it or, or what did that process look like? And how did you like budget, I guess, for those expenses as well? Yeah. So it was one of the sides was fairly turnkey. It was actually almost you know, pretty turnkey needed new carpets and, you know, paint job, but nothing significant other than that. Um, the other unit was pretty bad. Um, it absolutely needed an update. The person who owned it was living in Europe. They hadn't been back to the place in like probably eight years. Um, they had just never looked at it. Property management company was not doing inspections. I knew they weren't doing inspections because, um, I saw pictures from the home inspector and then six months later when I went, you know, moved there and I 
was closing the deal in a few days out from closing. Um, there was the pictures that I was taking was matching the pictures that they were taking. So there was just stuff everywhere that just wasn't being taken care of. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a value add for at least one side of the units. And then, um, it was just below market rent. Like they hadn't raised the rents in three or four years, which nice. the local mar- market was saying, Hey, you know, 2% rents every year. It was next to a military base and they typically get a BH raise every two years or every year. So it, it definitely demanded a raise in rent. And then it definitely demanded a, a value add portion as far as updated, you know, amenities, updated flooring, paint job, the typical stuff that I knew I could do because through high school and college, I worked for a um, you know, private contractor, just a, a general contractor rather. And I just got a lot of experience from him and I actually called him up and was like, Hey, I'm going to need some advice for the next six months because I'm going to do this all myself because I want to learn when I don't do this anymore, when I'm starting to buy bigger properties and a contractor calls me, I know exactly what they're talking about because I've done it a few times myself. And that was kind of my whole criteria for this first property was if I'm the property manager, I'm the rehabber, flipper, I'm the owner and I'm doing all this myself and somebody calls me, I can essentially either say, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that, that cost, you know, makes absolute sense. Or I can call them on their BS. Um, because I've, I've done it all myself. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Just using that as an opportunity to make mistakes and learn dude. I mean, it's just like, Hey, I'd rather make mistakes on, you know, a duplex in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri than on like a, you know, 50 unit deal in Dallas or, or somewhere where it's like, there's way more, you know, money at stake. There's a lot more tenants at stake. Um, yeah. dude, that's awesome though. So I assume you moved into the, the beater unit or the beat up one, you rented out the other side. Um, the, you know, turnkey unit, was that, was there a tenant already in place or did you have to find a tenant or how did that work out? Yeah. It, one thing I'll say before I answer that question is, you know, making mistakes, man, there was really no mistakes in that. I mean, maybe there was, but any of the mistakes that I made, it was just failing forward, man. Like yeah, yeah. I failed multiple times. I've done it so many times where I've, I've failed at something and just been like, well, I'll never make that mistake again. I've just wrote it in a down, um, in a notebook or something. I'm just been like, Hey, I can't make that mistake again, fail forward, take note of it and keep on going. Um, but yeah, so that the one side that was kind of turnkey already had somebody living in there. It was another army officer, fortunately, which made it super easy. Um, because I kind of knew where they were coming from. They knew where I was coming from. I, just gave them my cell phone number and was like, Hey, like this is going to be very unconventional, um, you know, property management. I, I did end up getting some software in the end, um, and just kind of managing it through the software so they could send in a maintenance request they could pay the rent online. It was super simple for them. And they, they liked it because it was super easy, but I told them, Hey, like you're my next door neighbor. Like just text me, text me if you need anything, like toilet goes out in the middle of the night, you get locked out because you lost your keys, both of which happened. Um, just stuff like that. I was like, yeah, like no, no worries. This is going to be super, super simple. It's just you and I, and we'll, we'll figure this out together. Um, but then the side that I lived in, that was, yeah, not in, not in the great best condition. Um, I lived in that side and, and for pretty much the, the year that I was there, I just spent locked up tearing out carpets, putting in, you know, luxury vinyl planking, painting the whole place, updating, you know, cabinets and, and all, all the, all the stuff. It was, it was definitely a cool experience. Yeah, dude, that is really cool and cool that the other guy was like super understanding and that you're actually able to systematize it towards the end there with software is super powerful. Mm-hmm. And then even as you were rehabbing your unit, dude, that's super powerful. Um, 
something I, I don't know if you thought to do this or not, but like, I know people who like will rehab a unit and just like post the entire thing on YouTube or like on TikTok or something as they're doing it. And they get like millions of views about this. So like yeah. we're living in like this social media age and I love creating content on LinkedIn. Um, so that's just something to think about maybe for the future or something like that as you're rehabbing a unit. But so after this deal or after you moved back East, I assume you moved back to Virginia for triple C or PCS there. Um, mm-hmm. Did you get any more properties or what did kind of the journey after that or to where you are today? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I took the, the learning experience as far as just buying a property. Um, that the one that I bought in Missouri when I moved back here to, to Virginia and I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this again. I, I learned a lot from that. I don't have the time that I did for that year, um, to do all the property management to rehab the units anymore. I, you know, I need to kind of systematize and outsource a lot of this, this stuff. So I bought a couple more units down in North Carolina. Um, one of them through the five pillars realty team, which was awesome. And that was super turnkey. It was an off market deal. Um, the family was going through some issues and they just needed to offload the property. And I, I came in and said, yep, I got it. I'll take it. Um, I bought that. That was super turnkey, um, which was, which was awesome because they had already had tenants in it and they didn't want to leave. And I told them, Hey, you know, you, you have a good background, you have a good record. You guys you know, stay here. Um, if I ever have any plans to update the place, which I do because it needs to be, needs to have a lot of updates done. I'm just going to let them know, Hey, we can either do a month to month lease and I'll do the updates as needed, or you guys can, you know, move out and I'll completely update the place and you can move into one of my other units that I've updated. Um, so since then I've bought a couple more properties and I've just been focused on rehabbing, flipping those, um, and then just kind of managing it from afar, as far as all the people that are managing it, managing the units for me and then the construction contracting teams that are just doing some updates whenever they're needed. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. You know, I think it's, I think I get it. I mean, I do get asked all the time about like Jesse managing real estate out of state. Like how do people do that? How do they create the systems and processes? Like unlike the property in Missouri where like the guy hadn't been there in years and like the property management team didn't give like two shits about it. But I guess how have you kind of tackled that problem? I assume you vetted a property manager for Missouri and probably something similar for North Carolina, but I guess how did you go about that and finding the right property manager to kind of be your boots on the ground for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I learned the process myself because um, I I kind of implemented some systems and, and then the software for the tenant that I was living next door. Um, and it was funny because I actually created myself a fake profile to apply to my own properties if I was a tenant, just so I could see both sides of it and be like, Hey, how does this actually work? Like yeah. I'm the tenant and then I'm also the property manager. Like I wanted to plug and play with the systems. Um, so I, I learned a little bit about it and then I just, you know, reached out to local investors and said, Hey, who do you guys have as property managers? Do you manage it yourself? Is it worth, you know, worth the, the cost to do it yourself? Because, you know, yo, you know, you might be saving a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, doing it yourself, but are you really saving a couple hundred dollars a month because you're spending all that time that you might need to do it? So for me personally, the first unit was great to learn the experience. But since then, um, I've just called property managers, interviewed them, asked if they're investors, because if they're just a property manager, um, I'm not really sure I want to, to deal with that just because you know they're just doing that as a job. I prefer that they have the experience of owning investment properties themselves because they have skin in the game and they know exactly where I'm coming from as an investor. And they can speak the language that I'm, I'm trying to speak. Um, so yeah, I just interviewed people, got referrals, talked to them, and then made sure that they were kind of experts in their market, which, which they are. And then it's just all online. I might spend a couple minutes a month now um, looking on the, the, the portal of the you know, 
property management portal as the owner and I look at the properties, I look at the monthly statements, I make sure that, you know, I have time one one Saturday once a month where I pull up the the, the statements and look up how much money you know came into the property, if there was any maintenance costs, where you know, where they went to, make sure make sure the receipts were uploaded, um, to you know, render against that cost, make sure that makes sense. Um, and then, you know, around, you know, maybe a couple of times a year around the holidays, I'll send the property management team, a, you know, a thank you note or, you know, card, postcard, Christmas card, that sort of stuff. Give them a call every, you know, three to six months and just say, you know, I don't have any questions. I just want to say hi and thanks and appreciate you and let you know that, you know, thank you for your time. Thanks for all that you're doing. Um, and, you know, if there's anything that's coming up, you know, I'd like you to just, you know, let me know. And I'm going to be looking at more properties. And um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty simple systematized process at this point. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's super important that vetting process and find the right property manager because I think there's so many people out there who are just like, you know, who's the cheapest person I could find? And it's like, I've seen so many people get burned over the years by just crappy, crappy property managers. And it's so important. And I think it's also like finding that balance. Like you talked about in the beginning of like, you know, should I manage it myself or should I find a property manager? And it's like, you know, from my perspective, it's like, I would rather focus on doing, you know, the $1,000 an hour tasks rather than the $10 an hour tasks. You know, I view like raising capital and speaking to investors and like sourcing deals as like the $1,000 an hour tasks, not like, you know, ripping up carpet or, you know, fixing whatever broken windows or something like that. So I, I think that's a crucial, you know, question a lot of people should ask themselves, but yeah, your ability to vet um, has obviously proven successful and it's great that these properties are crushing it. You know, where, where was like the idea, you know, Zach, within the last year or two years ago, like of, Hey, you know, this residential thing, it's great. You know, I'm, I'm doing really well in the house hacking, but you know, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, commercial real estate or maybe bridging to something larger. Where did that idea kind of come about? And I guess, how have you kind of gone about that journey? Yeah. So the, the cool thing about commercial real estate as it, versus residential real estate is that residential real estate is always it's residential. So it's viewed as a home, right? Commercial real estate is, it's not, it's a business. It's yes, those are somebody's home, but the whole entire complex themselves, it's run and operated and owned and managed like a business. And all the work that I put in on that duplex and the other units that I've bought, you know, you know single family uh, homes and residential properties that I've bought I did a lot of work and there's a lot of different people going into it. Now you can do it all on your own. Like I did the first unit. I, you know, like I said, said I was the rehabber. I was the owner. I was the manager, all that stuff. But I knew that I don't have the time to do that. I have a full-time job still. The whole reason for me to get into this was to kind of be able to design my life in a way where I can go out for months at a time and just go hiking and traveling if I really want to. And I knew that commercial real estate has a lot of those systems already in place. It has a lot of different people involved. And if there's already people and systems in place for that stuff, I'm just going to plug myself into that. And that's when I realized, hey, it's going to be much easier for me to use multi, you know, build this as a team in commercial real estate and then pursue that. And that's kind of where I've started steering my my focus is I still still look at residential properties, but I've started to steer my focus towards smaller and uh, medium-sized apartment complexes, um, which I have a couple other guys we're, we're teaming up on doing. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, dude. And I think it's, you know, great that like you're asking yourself of like, hey, how can I bring value or what can I do to, you know, be kind of the right piece to the puzzle on this team? I think there's so many ways for new people to do that because I think 
I mean, it's a limiting belief for people to feel like, you know, I can't add any value to, uh, you know, a 50 unit apartment building, but it's like, yeah. you know, that 50 unit apartment building needs cash to close it. Like I guarantee someone sitting out there listening, you have someone in your network who has um, just making this up like $50,000 just sitting in a savings oh, yeah. account getting annihilated by inflation right now. Um, mm-hmm. That could be someone who wants to put it to work and, you know, make the money grow in, in a great deal. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's awesome how you've kind of journeyed through this residential space and now into the commercial space. Um, what what kind of has been your focus? You mentioned, like, you know, the team aspects, and I know you guys are just kicking this off getting started, but what's kind of been your focus, I guess, being on the team? How, what, you know, part do you play and kind of what value do you bring? Um, to the team in the commercial space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for the past year, me and a couple other guys um, have been you know, sitting down. We got together. It was more or less just a small accountability group, and we just said, "Hey, you know, these are our goals. Let's help each other figure it out together." And then since then, we've kind of just become close friends. And you know, we have a couple guys that love the underwriting and Excel spreadsheets, and that's what that's their bread and butter. Um, for me, man, I just like talking. I like reaching out to people. I'll just cold call people. I'll you know, straight up message people on LinkedIn. And I just love networking in that, in that aspect. I love talking to people. So that was a cool, I can do capital raising and, and, and asset management stuff and just kind of investor relations. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on now because not that they don't want to talk to people. Um, I would just say that I jumped on it kind of without thinking that I was like, yeah, I like, I like to do that. And so we've kind of just, um, not officially in any capacity, but just more or less naturally steered towards what we enjoyed and what we were good at. And, kind of learn from from each other and that's kind of where i i've been focused on right now it's just um networking capital raising you know and, and that that side yeah dude i think that's awesome and I, I i mean i shared with you i love talking to people and just getting on the phone with investors and just hearing their stories it's it's an incredible journey and i love sharing my story and you know, there's something special about that. I think this is a people person business where like you have to be comfortable talking to people, especially, you know, you're raising capital and really from the capital raising perspective, you know, we are kind of, we are the people bringing the opportunity to the investor, uh, which is something special, you know, as well, you're helping these people grow their money, which is just, you know, a really fun thing to be a part of. So I think that's yeah. really awesome that you've gotten into that and you're focusing on that. Um, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, people aren't going to invest in like just a deal. I mean, maybe they will if they yeah. just arbitrarily want, um, you know, a return, but in the end, like people are just going to invest with a team and somebody that they enjoy and trust and, and know and like, and all that stuff as, as they say. So that's, that's been super important because I could bring all sorts of deals to people and they'd be like, Oh yeah, the numbers are great, but I don't want to invest with you. Yeah. Or, you know, I could, I could bring a deal. It's like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't the best. This is kind of tight, which I've done. I've, I've talked to some people and like, Hey, these numbers are a little slim. They're a little tight, but I think it'll pay off in the you know three years, according to our business plan and underwriting. They're like, yep, yeah, you got it. I trust you. Let's, let's look into this and let's see how we can make this work. And that, that is, is way more important. Yeah, I completely agree too. And it's like, it's, it's so cliche to say, but people invest in you before they invest in the deal. And everyone who's, you know, I've been on the phone with has always been like, Jesse, like, it's just honestly nice talking to like an authentic, genuine person who cares more about than just asking me for my money. But I, I, I agree. It's like, hey, I want to help people grow their money. I know what an incredible vehicle that real estate is, all the amazing benefits. 
And, you know, I talked to so many people and I'm, I'm curious if you have the same perspective, but I talked to so many people, Zach, who are like, Jesse, I'm getting 4% of like my Charles Schwab account or my Ed Jones mm-hmm. account right now. It's like, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to retire until I'm like 68, but like, I see this opportunity where like you're, you've got this 15%, you know, per year return. Um, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Like, I want to learn more about that. You know, if I invest yeah. in something like that, I could probably retire at like, you know, 58 or 55 mm-hmm. or helping these people. I mean, do, does anyone ever bring that up to you or do you have those discussions with people? I'm curious. Yeah, I've, I've definitely had those discussions with people and, you know, trying to provide them a resource that allows them to kind of design their life in a way that they want to. Like I've said, is, is a rewarding part of this process that I didn't know I would enjoy, but it is has been really interesting. Um, and then part of it's just teaming up with people on joint ventures. It's kind of an approach that I'm focused on right now with my team and I, we're doing joint ventures and bringing other people in and saying, Hey, this is it. Like you can own part of this property. We're all going to go in on this together. And you know, if you want to pull out of the deal in a couple of years, when we sell it, you'll make this much of an equity return. And like, Oh wow, that's great. I didn't know that was possible. So yeah, it's, it's been really, really awesome. And, and to be able to provide that to people has been great so far. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, you know, here at the end, I love, I love talking like mindset stuff and your why, like it's such a, it's been a huge part of my journey. I know it's a big part of your journey, dude. And I think there's so many people out there who, if, you know, either through limiting beliefs or whatever, dude, they're just not, they don't know what they're truly capable of until like they try. And, you know, I'm just curious your perspective, dude, on mindset, how it's played in your journey and kind of having this abundance style where it's like, Hey, I, you know, I love hiking. I want to find the vehicle that provides me or takes me on this journey, dude. So, you know, I don't know if you have some daily activities or weekly or, or what's your, just your perspective in general when it comes to, you know, an abundant mindset in this journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. There's definitely like an imposter syndrome that, you know, I have all the time because like I said earlier, I am not coming from this from a position of, experience and have been doing this for decades i'm still new at this i'm still learning stuff every day but that's just part of the process is sitting down and, and chipping away at it 30 minutes to an hour to two hours a day and just you know networking with somebody reading an article um you know watching some videos and underwriting a property just learning it slowly slowly um you know one step at a time um as far as just like my, my daily goals and, and just how i'm kind of focused on this is just being like, like I said, sitting down and making myself uh, get after it and, and underwrite a deal for 30 minutes to an hour every day, call some people, spend a few minutes networking, having that accountability group call with my team a couple times a week to make sure we're all staying onto our goals. And then as far as the mindset goes, it, it all ties back into to my why, because I want to be able to get out there and enjoy the things that I want to do and you know, traveling and, um, and hiking, I'm, you know, love somebody big mountains essentially. And so I figured, Hey, if I need to find a way that I can design my life in a way that I can do that. And I have absolutely no issues and all the motivation in the world when it comes to, um, going outside and hiking, like I will get up super early and I was just actually when that snowstorm hit, um, the East coast a couple weekends ago, I was like up in the, um, Shenandoah national park up in the mountains, just getting straight snowed on. And I was like, super happy because uh, that's just what I like to do. And so my mindset is if I can get up with no issue to do that, I need to be able to put that motivation towards real estate because this is the vehicle that's going to allow me to get after the things that I really enjoy doing. So that's kind of how I've tied them in together is to be able to say, Hey, this is what I love doing. 
my why behind it. And this is how it's going to allow me to do that. Um, and then just letting people know, like, hey, sit down, spend a couple of weeks educating yourself on this stuff, and then figure out what do you really want to spend your time doing? And then figure out a way, you know, whether it's real estate or, or, or what, you know, ever is out there, figure out how you can use something to, to allow you to go design your life and what you can go pursue the things that you love doing, whether it's family, traveling, hiking, watching football, doesn't matter. I just was fortunate enough to find, find mine. Yeah, dude, that's, that's awesome. And I tell everybody like begin just as you've done, like begin with the end in mind, like, what do you want the end state to be? You know, if it's, you know, if it's hiking, if it's family, if it's vacationing, if it's just stop trading time for money, whatever it is, just begin with the end in mind, just as you have. And it's just so, you know, like I said, real estate is the vehicle that can provide the passive income for us to, you know, spend, you know, time and experiences with the people we love. And it's just awesome to hear your journey, dude. I, it's been cool having you on, dude. I can't thank you enough. This has been really special. And like I said, I think your story is just highly, highly relatable to so many people out there who, you know, could listen to this episode on, you know, whatever the first of the month and literally close a deal four weeks later, just by, you know, mm-hmm. taking those weeks to educate themselves, learn about real estate in their market. Um, it's exactly what you've done, dude. So I'm, I'm going to hit you with one last question, bro, before we wrap up. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, I asked this to everybody, and you know, I'm I'm interested in what your perspective is going to be on it. You know, if you could solve any problem in the world, what would it be and why? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, so actually, something that I'm I'm super passionate about, and I know I won't be able to solve it in the next year, um, but long term wise, definitely um, a passion of mine because I love hiking, and because I, I love the outdoors, I want to find a way to protect the outdoors and sustainability. And I know that the amount of just the materials in regards to just wood and how we've built houses, almost everything else has changed, right? Communications with cell phones in the you know past hundred years and then cars and all that sort of stuff, like converting to electric, that stuff's changed. Housing and the development of housing and, and the way it's been and houses have been built, not a drastic amount has changed in the past, you know, couple of decades. And so I just feel like there's a a way that we need to improve that. And so I've really started looking into three um, D printing. Uh, houses and looking how I can steer my business towards utilizing 3D printed housing um, because it's such an affordable way to build houses and they're so sustainable and the resources are, are longer lasting and you're not taking stuff as, as much away from the environment. You're not impacting, impacting the environment and the technology is constantly improving because it's such a new technology. I, I really want to solve the problem of how do I utilize that to protect my love for, for the outdoors and my you know passion in real estate for sustainability and in regards to affordable housing because i mean affordable housing a 3d printed home is so much cheaper um maybe not right now but the amount that it's dropping in cost to produce because the technology is getting better in the last decade it's gonna at some point i'm not an expert in this so don't 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 capture me on this one, but in the next yeah. 10 to 20, next 10 to 20 years, like 3d printed houses are definitely going to, going to become a more commonplace thing and it's going to become much more affordable. So if, if I could solve any problem, it would definitely be, um, figuring out a way to mesh up sustainable housing and affordable housing and how it impacts the environment. Yeah, that's awesome. First guy never come on here and talk. Uh, 3D printing and how it can help affordable housing and stuff like that. I know the demand right now in this country is insane for affordable housing. and I've never looked at it from that angle. So I'm glad you brought that up. 
yeah, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Like I said, I think your story is extremely relatable. It's going to help so many people out there and add a lot of value. You know, for people who want to follow up with you, Zach, after the show, I mean, maybe they're interested in house hacking or they're interested in what you and your team are working on or just about your journey, dude. You know, how can people follow up with you after the show? How can they find you? What platforms are you on? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. Uh, so I'm definitely mostly active on LinkedIn. Um, Zach Wilson on LinkedIn. You can find me there or Instagram, Wondering Wilson. Um, is, you can find me on there too. Not as active on Instagram as, as I'm on LinkedIn, but either of those work just fine. Um, reach out to me anytime. I just had a, an old college buddy and a couple other people from high school that have reached out to me and just been like, hey, this is you know interesting what you're doing. I want to get into it. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Anytime I'll buy you coffee. We'll sit down. We'll talk about it. Um, 15 minute phone call. So yeah, anybody has any questions on how to get started? I just went through this whole process. So, you know, definitely willing to lend my time because somebody can lend it theirs to me. Zach, you're the man, dude. Thanks again for coming on. And, uh, like I said, I can't thank you enough, dude, your story. It's incredible. The glide path that you're on, it's going to be something special. And I, uh, I wish the best of luck to you and your team here in 2022. Thanks for coming on. Brother. Yeah. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Good luck to you and uh, excited to see all the successes that you'll be seeing in the next year too. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please, Do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.